Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another podcast of Practical Rambling Fathers. My name is Father Tay. Father Brian. And today's topic for our podcast, we're going to talk about the seven sacraments. But for this particular episode, we're focusing on the sacraments of baptism. So, seven sacraments is what we're going to try to do. We're going to go back to two weeks, every two weeks, uh, posting something on the sacraments. So, we're going to do baptism, Eucharist, confirmation, marriage, holy orders, anointing of the sick, and reconciliation. Um, All seven sacraments. Um, And that should put us into the middle of August, if we go every two weeks. So... Perfect. So without further ado, let's talk about the sacrament of baptism. Of course, uh, everyone knows baptism requires water for the priest, pouring water over the person's head, saying, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But what does the church say about the sacrament? So let's take, let's take a look at the Catechism of the Catholic Church, and beginning on Numbers 12, 13, uh, you know, it gives an overview of what baptism is, right? It says, Holy baptism is the basis of the whole Christian life. It is the gateway to life in the Spirit, and the door which gives access to the other sacraments, right? So through baptism, we're free from sin and reborn as sons of God. We become members of Christ and are, are incorporated to the church and may share in her mission. Baptism is a sacrament of regeneration through water and the word. So baptism is the first thing that needs to happen. Right? Um, the first thing that needs to happen is that we are going to be made new, even though we've already been made the image likeness of God. But because due to the first sin of the first parents, Adam and Eve, we still have original sin upon our soul when we are born into the world. And so with baptism, it washes away the original sin. The effects of sin are still there. That's called concupiscence, right? So that's why we have all these other sacraments to build us up to fight against temptation. And so why is this sacrament baptism called baptism? Uh, For the Greek word, it means to be plunged or to immerse, right? And so it's very symbolic in that in early Christian history, when someone's being baptized, you really plunge into the water, and so it's seen as a symbolic death, right? You're dying to your old self. And when you rise up out of the water, you are now regenerated to something new. You're being made new as a new creation uh, in the eyes of God. And so the sacrament is also known in Numbers 12, 15. It says, the sacrament is also called the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. And so when you receive this baptism, not only your sins are forgiven, but also you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So in 1216 talks about how this bath of washing is called enlightenment, because those who receive it through the instructions being prepared for sacrament are not enlightened in the understanding. And when you receive this baptism, your soul is going to be opened and to be more aware of God and His presence in your life. So where do we see all this entering, correct? We see this in Holy Scripture. My favorite gospel passage is from the Gospel of Mark. Because we often ask the priest, so what really happens, right? We know the water is being poured, the words are being said. The typical effects of baptism or washing away of sins being new, but what truly happens? The Gospel of Mark does a good job of explaining it. 
Jesus came from Nazareth, Galilee, and was baptized in the Jordan by John. On coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens being torn open, and the Spirit like a dove descending upon him, and a voice from the heavens, <clears throat> You are my beloved Son. With you I am well pleased. So right away, there's that invisible reality of the sacraments that we don't normally, that we can't see with our human eyes. So when Jesus is being baptized by John, right, John was the first one to baptize people. And his baptism brought repentance of sin and announcing the kingdom of God. So people realize, you know, it's not enough for me just to repent for my sins, but I really have to show my faithfulness in a very public manner that I will repent for my ways and to follow God. And so with John's baptism, it washes away the sin, right, repentance of sin, calling them to be new creatures and to build up the kingdom of God, for the kingdom of God is coming at hand. However, there's not yet the fullness because John the Baptist interestingly says, don't follow me, follow him, right? The one who will come after me. He is the one that's going to baptize you not with just water, but with the fire of the Holy Spirit. And so, in this case, Jesus comes to John to be baptized and so God the Father is watching all of this. He's going to create life and gives life. So he gives his blessings upon Jesus. So when Jesus is being plunged and immersed in holy water and rises out of the water, right, he's elevating the sacrament of baptism to its fullness. So not only are your sins being washed away, um, but also you're being made new, and you're going to be called a child of God too through the participation with Jesus in his vocation. And how beautiful that the Holy Spirit comes and descends upon Jesus. And that happens to all of us and those who have been baptized. Is that the whole Trinity is present. And God says the most beautiful statement. You are my beloved son. With you I am well pleased. Anything else you want to add, Father Brian? Boom. That was a six minute monologue. Nice about baptism. Well done. Sorry, I, I, I teach baptism at, here at Pax oh, Christi, so I'm very excited about this. Yeah, no, the cool part is, is we can always ask that question, well then, if Jesus uh, Jesus never sinned, so why did Jesus need to be baptized to take away Correct. sin? Um, it's the profound reality that um, Jesus having the fullness of humanity, being the Son of Man and being the Son of God, being both of those dynamics... In his baptism by John, he actually renews all of creation, not only just humanity, but all of creation in that baptism. And that's the baptism that we share in, um, is the fact that Jesus is the fullness of humanity. And so now, through his baptism, we be ba we're baptized in the Trinity's name, and we, become, we can come into that new life um, in and through him. Yeah, some of the effects, Father Tay mentioned a few of them, but we'll just list. There's seven effects um, to baptism. First, the forgiveness of sins, uh, the new creation. So we have sanctifying grace, so it's what saves us. There's a necessity to baptism. Jesus, you know, commands us in uh, Matthew 29, 28, 19 through 20. Right. <clears throat> go forth, there, go forth, and baptize all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them all that I have commanded you. So, 
those uh, that happens. Uh, grace of justification, going back to Jesus being the fullness of humanity, us being claimed for him in baptism. We are justified from our away from our sins, uh, although we can fall back and concupiscence towards sin. Um, Jesus is alive and working in our hearts. So through our baptism, so we're justified. Um, we become part of the body of Christ. So we become part of the mystical body of Christ. And um, it's also with that, uh, it's the unity of all Christians. So all who call themselves Christians uh, are baptized with the Trinitarian formula. And uh, an indulgable mark is put on your soul, which means it can never be removed. And you can't mm -hmm. deny it. Like, you mm -hmm. can't say, oh, my soul doesn't have it any longer. It it concretely happens, um, which is the same is true for confirmation and holy odors. All three of those are indulgable mark sacraments. Um and there was one mystic that said, you know, the the glory of the indelible marks in heaven will be to their glory, but in hell it'll be to their shame, right? Their other shame. point of shame and uh, anguish for all eternity. So, for us priests, uh, having three indelible marks, having three um, transfigurations of soul, um, it'll be our pain. Pain in hell or our joy in heaven. Um, and so, for all the baptized, that indelible mark happens, and once when we die, it's going to be there. So, did we live the life that Jesus commanded us? That's the great part about this, right? It's not go for and baptize in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then live a life that they want to do. It's teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. So, living out the Beatitudes, living out the commandments, living out... Um, with the grace of the Holy Spirit working through us, in us, working uh, on that life of holiness. So those are the seven effects of, of baptism. Um, in a radical way, we do become that beloved son or beloved daughter of God because of Jesus, not because of anything we merited to receive. Um, baptism is an all-out gift. So... Right. All right, Father Tate, did you want to mention something about marriage and family life and how that plays out? Yes, <clears throat> I'm very excited because if you look into, into the books by the Dynamic Catholic, they just put a new program um, helping us parish priests and those who are preparing couples to have their children baptized to rethink of how we teach baptism. And the most beautiful way that they're doing it, they're encouraging is that. Baptism, the sacrament of baptism, reminds us of the universal call first, right? Everyone's called to be holy. Everyone's called to be a saint. And some, we're living in this world now where there's a huge push for that, right? Become holy, become saints, live for God, and be faithful to Him. That's beautiful. But at the same time, we need to put that into a good balance, right? And so what happens to a couple when they arrive at the church? It's their first child or second or third, right? It's very easy to think of, I'm doing this so I can get my child baptized and then I want to move on with my life, right? That's kind of the world that we live in. We're very pragmatic, right? We try to make it uh, practical and then we move on. But we forget, right, that when, when you're entering the church preparing your child to be baptized, you are thinking, even if you're not, it's a good practice to get into, is that you should be recalling your own baptism 
and thinking about what it means, right? When you wake up in the morning, right? For example, Father Brian and I, when we wake up in the morning, we are priests of Christ. So when, when, when we wake up, say, Lord Jesus, thank you for the gift of life, right? You call me to love in a particular way. You call me to be holy. But especially in this state of life as a priest, help me to become a holy priest. For those, for those of you who are married, it's the same beautiful way. Because when you recall your own call of holiness, you're realizing that you've been called to make your spouse holy. You've been called, as you are striving, challenging to become holy, they will, they will challenge and make you holy. And so you're living out that universal quality, helping each other grow in holiness. And when you do that, that sets the precedent for your child. Because when he or she grows up, they said, oh, faith is important. Faith is normal because mom and dad are doing it. And I should do it too, right? It's not because mom and dad does it and they want me to do it. And that's the answer. No, no, no. You've understood what it means. You have a relationship with God. And so when you think of the blessing of the vocation of marriage there and how important it plays to forming your children to understand that, your family is going to be blessed. And we've had many successes with this new program because it's paying baptism in a new way. All of us within the family unit are called to challenge each other to grow in holiness. If one is not living up to that standard, it affects their spouse, it affects their children, it affects everyone in that family uh, unit. I know it's hard. I'm not using this as, as a crutch, but it's something that we can strive for. Paul Bright, anything else you want to add? Yeah, we'll talk about what it is in marriage, what the point of marriage is when we talk about that. But, yeah, the real sense that uh, my parents witnessed to it, so, okay, that's something I claim for myself and move forward. Um, also, just want to throw out there, especially, yeah, I feel like, in our generation, we have a lot of, uh, well, I don't want to get my kid baptized because I want him to choose for, choose. want him or her to choose for herself. Which, to yep. that, I just kind of go, oh, wait, you're, you're just going to choose what school they, they want to? Or to even more plainly, what, what language they want to speak. Oh, I don't want to speak English because they might want to learn French. What? It doesn't make any yeah. sense. So, yeah. um, or mm -hmm. sports. Like, the first top ten things we do with an infant is put our sports onesie on them, right? Whatever that is. Which isn't to sure. say that that's bad, but it's to say, like, those things are transitory for people of faith. And so, because they're transitory, why give precedent, more precedent to them, not that we can't, but then the salvation of my kid's soul, um, then eternal life, then the gift of faith, hope, and love into their life in a way more radical way than I can even comprehend, um, to give that to my kid. Um, why would you not want to do that as a parent to pass on the gift of all that God has through the gift of baptism? Yeah. And so just a real exactly. encouragement for anyone expecting who, who has that mindset or knows somebody with that mindset, just to reach out and go, just to challenge that. Go, wait, mm -hmm. you, you are, or even make it one, you know, like raising them. Nah, they don't really like carrots, so we're not going to feed them veggies. Like, they don't like veggies, so we're just not going to eat them. You know, they don't like milk, so we're just not going to have milk. Okay, like, there's a point that for some reason at faith we feel like we can get out of those types of things. But we can't show yeah. that. Always think, yeah, always think about the blessing. Right? Because think about it this way, right? You know, many of us play sports, are part of a club, 
or whatever school, right? Do you notice the tension that happens when the new when the newcomer comes in? Right? You're like, wait a second. You don't know who we are. You don't. You never practice with us. Why are you wanting to become the team? I know many of you thinking like, why this is particular analogy, right? Baptism is that analogy, right? We have so much in our faith, and those around us who've been practicing us on the same team. There's so many mentors and saints and people who live out their faith. There's so much to offer, even God Himself, right? But if we don't take precedence of that and realizing this is, isn't just a one person, right? Like I'm a, the best player there is, so focus on me and my way. No, no, no. When you join a team, you learn the, the dynamics of the team. It's a whole team effort. The same way, right? When you become a parent, you have to take consideration of your spouse's input, but also your child's. And for what Father Brian said so beautifully, right? Your child's soul is resting on your hands. This is not to guilt you, right? As priests, we feel the same way. God says, I love you so much that I'm giving you the responsibility to help nurture, feed my sheep so they can go to heaven, right? Baptism is the gateway. It's the first beginning step. And it's like a freebie too, right? You don't have to earn it. It's already given to us. And so why not enjoy the beautiful gift that's been given to us? You're made new. Sins are forgiven. What more can you ask for? You're getting a heavenly father, right? And a beautiful mother to the church. And lastly, we just want to go back to what this meant in the early church. Now it's kind of, it's definitely kind of taken for granted, baptism and what the radicalness of it. But in the early church, we definitely see what it meant. It basically meant your death um, before yep. Catholicism was a legal religion under um, Constantine, St. Helen, his mother. Anyways, um, before it was a legal religion, um, it was actually called the way. Um, and the reason why it was called the way, any Catholics was called the way, was because... It was the way of life that they radically lived different than everyone around them in the given pagan culture. Um, yep. They were so recognized by their acts of charity, their acts of love, their acts of actually caring um, for the poor and caring for the poor, the marginalized, the unborn, the widow, all of those, um, the slave, the free, you know, everyone. Um, without any repercussion toward back towards them, any thanks um, that they lived this radical life, that they were put to death. Because uh, that makes sense in our fallen world. I'm trying to help you. Okay, we're going to kill you. Okay, whatever. Trying to love you. Okay, we're going to kill you. Yeah, it's what happened to Jesus. So, yeah. What had he done? Well, he went around healing people, so we had to kill him. He was the son of God, so we had to kill him. What? Whatever. Our brokenness. Yeah. But um, we're called that way, and so that radical change of life, and we don't sense that. I think we're starting to sense that a little bit more, especially since we're kind of in a post, we're definitely in a post-Christian um, world right now. Um, we had Christendom, you know, a few years back, and we were kind of had, you know, it in the culture a little bit, and now we've totally lost it. So, um, which means that those that stay faithful will stick out more and more um, because they're more and more being faithful to, as St. Paul says, uh, I'd rather be faithful to what God says than what man is trying to tell me I should do. So correct, correct. the boldness that comes uh, with that baptism. So the way, the radical change of life, the freedom that that brings, the gift that that brings, the abundantness that that brings. So.
Mm-hmm. And and if you think about it too, right? Um, that was their top priority. It wasn't about dying or living. They they already knew that before they even signed up. But they're like, I know I'm going to get crucified for this. But what we don't talk about, right, is that these people are saying, I've searched everywhere, right? Yes, yeah, seriously, I really subscribe. If you are listening to this podcast, if you know any friends or family members that have searched for a long time, gone through the ICIA process, right? What's called, you know, the right of, you know, um, of Christian in, uh, adult. In, in, I'm messing this up, right? RCIA. What? I'm blanking out. The acronym. I can't speak today. I need more coffee. Right of right of initiation. initiation for adults. Yeah. There we go. Sure. I was sorry. That's a struggle. That wasn't. Anyways. <clears throat> that wasn't it. Either. Anyways. Mm-hmm. That wasn't it. Edit this out. I need coffee. Wait. Alright. Pause it. I want to see what this is doing. And you're back. Uh, for those of you, you know, it'd be a lot easier to hear experiences, right? To ask your family or friends who search all their life for the truth and what made them decide uh, to become Catholic and to be baptized and to be received into the church. And they'll tell you, right? They said, I've searched everywhere for the truth. Um, you know, I never, I never felt at home. But when I came to the Catholic Church, I realized the treasure, right? I realized the love. I realized what the church has to offer that I knew this was it. And watch, watch their reactions when they are baptized. The joy that comes from of saying, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. I am home. I'm done searching. I'm done being restless. I am home now with you. And how beautiful is that? Many of us have been baptized when we're young, so we don't know the trial that comes from searching this truth like these early Christians did. So if you have time, seriously, reach out and ask to Ask these people who have gone through the RCA, tell me your story. Tell me your, your journey. Because their journey is very similar to those early Christians. When they found out it was the way and the only way, they never looked back. They went full on straight ahead. And that's the beauty of our faith. Boom. Last eternal baptism's the gate. Thank you for listening to uh, Practical Rambling Fathers. Until next time, stay holy, my friends. Figure out what date you were baptized on, and uh, do a little bit of celebration on that day for the gift that it is to be baptized.